The Hornets lose over the weekend, and Steve Clifford is mad about the defensive effort, effort overall even, and we go fishing today. Jake yeah. Fisher had an update over the weekend we'll discuss all today on Locked On Hornets. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free. We are available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. We got a lot of people having their Spotify wrapped. Continue to roll on in. The Apple Replay, they became a part of the game. We got so many screenshots of people telling us that we're your number one listen, quite literally, in the rankings. If we wanted to do rank radio, lots of people would tell us, that we are your favorite Hornets podcast. And for that, we thank thank you you with all of our heart. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make sure you always check out FanDuel because not only are they doing stuff with the NFL, but now that the NBA is in season, you can get in on the action there as well. Make every moment more right now. Every new customer gets $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started that's doug branson he had the sound effect of the real you know on fire <laughs> baby because you got a big one that's i can't doug wait branson. yeah <laughs> you can catch his sub stack every and you can listen to me on wfnz every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m doug one thing i will tell you about is um i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that you have the same exact t-shirt logo that i bought and now I feel like you copied me a little bit because you got the grandmama logo. I have that T-shirt. I've worn it a few times, and I, it feels it feels a little weird. Maybe we can just both wear it at the same time, but I got the same one, same well, exact one. Well, a couple of things. Number one, <laughs> number one, this is a hoodie, not a T-shirt. That's, That's number true. one. That's true. Number two, mm-hmm. I've had this hoodie. I don't wear it a ton, but I've had it for years. Mm-hmm. And it was given to me by a friend. And so mm-hmm. I think I beat you if no. anyone has a has a bone to pick, a carboni mm-hmm. to pick, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's me. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm going to have to have to talk with your friend. Okay. I think they knew what they were doing when they got you that hoodie. Uh, either way, it would be nice to have Larry Johnson, grandmama on this squad right now, maybe to help with the effort, maybe to help with the hardcore nineties defense, whatever. Right. Cause Steve Clifford, he's not thrilled with it here. Doug, Steve Clifford is angry at the effort after the Hornets and really just defensively, they lose to Minnesota one twenty three to one seventeen over the weekend, and this was without having Anthony Edwards out there on the floor. They did have Carl Anthony Towns, they did have Rudy Gobert. The Twin Towers for them, the modern era Twin Towers, if you will, were absolute beasts in this game. So was Nas Reed. If you were over six nine, then you had a good game against the Charlotte Hornets this <laughs> That's weekend. All it takes. What did you make? <laughs> what did you make? of uh, Steve Clifford and really Hornets defense. And we'll dive into their numbers a little bit later on in the show, but also Steve Clifford's pretty angry reaction to their effort defensively on the floor. The Hornets are like a roller coaster. Must be six, nine or taller to have a good game, right? I mean, that's what it is right now, but it's true. And you, and you look back at that New York game, same thing. It's the big physical guys that come into the game, what did I say? They, they got that look in their eye. They know that, hey, I'm coming into this game against the Hornets. We know the scouting report 
for opposing teams has to say, this team ain't got it. They don't got it. They're not physical. They don't want it. They don't go after loose balls. They don't hit the floor. Uh, they don't hit you first on you know rebounding opportunities. This is a team that you can go in and shove around. And this has been the case going back to the very beginning of the season when Detroit, one of the worst teams in basketball right now, absolutely pushed the Hornets around physically. But but this has been the case for many years, even going back to that play-in uh, opportunity that they got under Borrego. This is a team that has been young for a long time, has spent a long time not winning tough basketball games, and 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 getting blown out in big time games against playing opportunities. Not bringing in a certain type of veteran that's gritty, that does hit the floor, that does understand how you win playoff basketball and can motivate other players to play that way. And you're just seeing ultimately the results of that. And Steve Clifford's frustration, I think, is generated around this idea that he he's trying his best and he said he needed help from the team leadership, but he's trying his best to say, hey, this is how we have to play to beat these teams. I'll give you a quote here. Uh, from Steve Clifford. He said very explicitly, quote, what we lack is physicality so much. When you play these guys, meaning Minnesota, you better be hitting. When you play the Knicks, you better be hitting. They are big. They're physical. That's how they are made. And so when people say they didn't try as hard, meaning the Hornets, we tried just as hard against the Knicks after we got down in the first quarter than we did in Brooklyn. It's a totally different type of game. And I want to point out, Walker, that's what he said. That's how they are made. And I think where the rub is, is that Clifford knows how a team should be constructed in order to win basketball games. That's not how the Hornets were made. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you're, you're saying that even Mitch Kupchak was a target here with one of these comments, not m- maybe just discussing the kind of roster that's built. I, I hear you. And and by the way, just to clean up something on my end, I use the word effort quite a bit when Steve Clifford is fighting against that. I shouldn't be as misleading. I think my effort word here is when you are going after a defensive rebound and the other team is going to come up with it because they are playing with a harder physicality. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, try to, criticize the players with laziness that's not what i mean to do it's what steve clifford is saying what you're illustrating here there is a lack of physicality and i think when there is a 50 50 ball you see so many times the charlotte hornets don't come out on top or come away with possession because the other team they're just they're they're stronger they're playing harder as far as a physical standpoint and that's what steve clifford was so angry about after minnesota it's that extra effort and when i when he says they didn't try as hard he's right they try very hard on the offensive end this is not a team that's totally rolling over and getting blown out i mean they only lost it was uh, the final score of this minnesota game was 123 117 the Minnesota Timberwolves are now 15 and 4. They came into this game 14 and 4, playing some of the best defense in the league and you score 117 points on them. That's impressive, especially when you consider that you're dealing with a banged up Brandon Miller. You don't have LaMelo Ball who is undoubtedly your best offensive player and yet you manage to score 117 points on this team. That's super impressive. The problem is they didn't do the little things that allow you to get one of these sneak wins against a really good team. They allowed the Minnesota Timberwolves 10 offensive rebounds for 22 second-chance points. The Wolves mm-hmm. went 8 of 11, and a lot of those were three-pointers. Getting the re- you know long rebounds, go to the Wolves, 50-50 opportunities, and then get kicked around for three-point shots. So, so you lose that. I mean, you this is crazy to me. 
they won the fast break. The Hornets did. They won the fast break 20 to nothing. They were 9 of 11 on fast break opportunities. They were outrunning the Wolves. They had a game plan that could have beat this team. But because they couldn't get that rebound there at the end of the game, because they were making bad decisions at the rim, because they were fouling, oh my God, the fouls in this game. And I know Steve Clifford didn't love the whistle, but look, 30 free throw attempts, you can't have, you can't give 30 free throw attempts to a team like the Wolves. I also think that speaks to the identity. That's just further proof of the identity. You're right. Minnesota playing with the physicality. They're here for the tough buckets. Now, Carl Anthony Towns has the exact opposite reputation, you know, and he shot um, zero free throws, but the guys that do play with physicality, Kyle Anderson, right? I love Eric Collins, but I think, I think it's his most hated player in the game based off of his commentary, but Kyle Anderson, what does he do? Slomo gets seven free throw attempts, even Rudy Gobert, nine free throw attempts there. Mike Conley, eight mid range game, right? Did shoot a lot of threes in this one, but we know Mike Conley has been living in the paint for his career. He's able to get there, you know, pin guys on his hip, whatever. So you got a lot of free throw attempts from the physical players and here's cat giving you zero everybody played to their identity and they did it so well where that's how mark williams picks up six fouls that's how terry rogier picks up four miles bridges has five and those are three guys all on the latter half of the amount of fouls that they're given so yeah it's it's minnesota coming in playing to their identity more so and this is another thing for me doug i wonder if um it, I'm not excusing it. I do wonder if there is any sort of fatigue in contrasting styles to where, okay, maybe Minnesota is saving all of their energy to bang down low with a lot of the players. Plus they're just big anyway. So if you have cat, if you have Rudy Gobert, if you have a guy literally named slow-mo, they might allow 20 points in a fast break to, to a fast break team that might happen with those guys on the roster with the Hornets. Are they putting so much effort into getting out in transition and scoring? Cause that is how they're built. And then the energy can't be used as much for the physicality on the other end. How, how much does the energy in an 82 game season play out in one end or the other? I think that's a fair question. I don't know the answer to it though. For years. And even going back to Clifford's first run, the Hornets invested in, in skill players but the skilled players that had a little bit of edge to them that Steve Clifford could exploit and get the most out of. and that, but, but even during that time, we were screaming, hey, you've got to go find some NBA bodies, the kind of bodies that Toronto finds, these 6'9", huge wingspan guys, and, and guys with size. We need size down low. We need physicality down low. Well, they went and found the, the long guys. They went and found guys with huge wingspans and you know your, your McDaniels and your Mark Williams. They finally did start to look in that direction. But they forgot to find guys with a little bit of an edge, with some toughness, and they forgot to get a little bulk. I mean, you, you know, the, the, they're losing to teams right now that down low can can provide you with a little beef. They need some beef stew. They got beat by beef stew. They need some beef stew <laughs> on this team, and and that's what they're when they reshuffle. Because when I talk about this team needing to clean house, I don't just mean the front office. I don't just mean maybe finding a, a coach mm -hmm. that can sort of lead them many years into the future, but also I think they've got to really take a look at this roster from like, you know, you, you keep LaMelo, you keep Brandon, and then you reevaluate everything else and try to figure out a way to bring in a team that can actually compete on a physical level with NBA teams. And I have more thoughts on the roster construction. Let's talk about it in the next segment. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. 
finish some of those thoughts on how this team is built. And also, yep, it's time. Get your fishing poles, get your tackle box, get your lures. We're going fishing in the next segment. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? If you found yourself cut off from modern medical care and treatment, on an outdoor adventure, in a natural disaster, in a foreign country, would you have a plan? With the Jace case, you can secure your own supply of basic antibiotics with ease and peace of mind. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, skin infections, among other stuff, this stuff is the thing that could happen to real, any of us, really. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during their unexpected. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, offer code locked on at jacemedical.com. You can get $20 off your order. More locked on Hornets ahead. So, just a couple finishing thoughts on the roster construction. One thing that we've discussed with Mitch Kupchak, he's told us about his philosophy when drafting. They wanted to have a versatile lineup. That was the first thing Mitch Kupchak wanted to do as soon as he started drafting players. His first draft pick was Miles Bridges, the SGA trade, right? You get Miles Bridges, so Oops. he's his first first-round pick. Then you have P.J. Washington. Well, and and here you are, right? You're discussing the, the length. That's been taken care of more on the back half of his draft history. Mm-hmm. He did go after the bulk, at least at first. And I don't think even kind of furthering your point here, Doug, those are the guys that aren't, uh, aren't afraid to mix it up you know, compared to the other guys with the length, I think miles and PJ both do help PJ. He was the one that was flexing. He grabbed that rebound from cat. They were battling slings cat down on the floor, you know, goes like this, like showing he's not to be messed with. And he has to come in because he's playing out in the perimeter to go get the board. We know miles, at least before his suspension, his year long. Well, you know, the suspension because of the arrest miles bridges before that think we would look to him as the leader in the locker room that was a little more vocal than maybe a LaMelo ball or some of the other leaders. We did see him play with the physicality also. And then as you move on in the draft, Mark Williams, not playing with enough. We've known that for the last couple of weeks. So you, it's almost like they did change. Brandon Miller has an, a mental edge to him. Like he's got where he's ready to go, but his body, he's just, right. you know, he's a, he's young. He's really skinny. Even still, it's going to take a little while. But yeah, like it's it's interesting you talk about that because they did go after some versatility and bulk at first. And now, you know, who else are you talking about? Right. James Booknight, Kai Jones in the draft, JT Thor in the second round, McDaniels, you mentioned Mark Williams. Yeah, just not a lot of beef as much as you did in your first two round picks, uh, two first round picks with Miles and PJ to start this whole thing off. So, yeah, you bring up a good point. In a couple of years, this could be the team that Clifford could coach into a first-round playoff berth. Could be. But that, it's going to take a couple of years for, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, Mark yeah, yeah. Williams to get physically there, for Brandon Miller to get physically there. And there's the tension, right? All the tension is wrapped up in there that fundamentally, this is the same exact team as Borrego took to 43 wins and and a play-in 
uh, slobber knocking. Okay, <laughs> it's fundamentally the same team, which is and, and this is what Clifford is telling you that yeah, look, you could go all out offensively and you could win enough ball games to get into a play-in game, and he is very explicit in saying you will get your bleep kicked because that's exactly it's it's not like. It's not him hypothesizing. It's him looking at the past two play-in games that they've played and go, that's exactly what happened. And it will happen again. And so Clifford is trying not to allow that to happen again. The problem is in trying to do that, you're going to lose regular season games. You're not even going to get in the play-in team. How many times have we done a show after Mitch Kupchak got in front of the media and said, essentially... We've got all we need here on this roster. We don't have to go out and get something else. Well, it, it, the last couple of years, because at first, at least he was being honest and saying we don't, right? I mean, we he was we don't saying, have any all-stars on this team. Yes. We don't have enough to compete. <laughs> and he was telling everybody we can't be, we, we can't fall for the joke. We can't fall for the mirage that is a four seed in the middle of the regular season when we're healthy and think that is something that is sustainable. So he was being honest about it the last two years. He told us that this was a playoff team. Steve Clifford told us the last two years that it was the most talented team that he ever coached. And here they are towards the bottom of the standings. Health being a problem, it's a legitimate issue. But we saw what it was before health was the overriding issue, right? Like we, we know that the Hornets aren't a team that even at full health is a top six squad right now. I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. All right, Doug, it, we, we promised the kids a fishing trip. But oftentimes... We promise to do stuff and then we don't deliver on it. That We got better. We've had some hiccups. We cannot disappoint the kids again by not going on this fishing trip and saying, Grab hey, tackle I'm box. sorry, I got work to do. No, we're going bass fishing, folks. And Jake Fisher had something for us uh, earlier this weekend. If you want to you wanna, you wanna throw the line <laughs> in the water. Oh, we got a big one. Yeah. Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, also a part of the No Cap Room podcast with Dan Devine. It's a good name. Here's what Jake Fisher had to say about Miles Bridges. They only have one year with Miles Bridges. All of his off-court stuff aside, talking about this strictly from a basketball standpoint, when he signs the qualifying offer and is going into unrestricted free agency, there's a lot, there's not, excuse me, there's not a lot of confidence or expectation around the league that Miles is going to be back in Charlotte next year. Now, one thing to note is, once somebody aggregated this, one of the NBA Twitter accounts, they aggregated it. They put the quote out and they put it out there to the masses. Miles Bridges responded to that. And it was the first Twitter activity that we've seen in like over a month's worth of time or something like that. And he just put a question mark to it. Hmm. The, this report that Miles, nobody expects him to be back in Charlotte. He replied yeah. with a question mark. I throw that all to you, Doug. What are your thoughts on this report from Fish and Miles Bridges response? Yeah, I don't know. Is this a report or is this you're on a podcast, you're talking about what you're hearing around the league? Maybe you get a little bit more definitive than you would. I mean, listen, well, if anyone understands yeah, that, yeah. you get the microphone, you get rolling, you get a little juice, and then you just start saying stuff. Well, but but that's that's I would I we could do a whole podcast on that almost because the one thing I'll say about it is when you have when you hear Bill Simmons or Zach Lowe, the guys that are reporters, the guys that everybody knows, they're in the know. They will clarify, hey, I am not reporting here. I'm not hearing anything about this. This is just our thoughts spilling out onto the mic. Jake isn't saying it. He's quite literally telling you the expectation around the league is that he won't be back. I stamp it with report. 
I that's what I think. So okay. Go ahead. Well, I don't. Uh, and okay. and when I read, they only have one year with Miles Bridges. What I read into that is he's only under contract for a year. But I don't. And his and I take the around the league to mean other people expect Miles Bridges to be um, available to talk to other teams and unrestricted free agency. And look, if he plays well enough, I think he will be attractive to a lot of different teams. And so all of a sudden. The market that was not competitive at all for him this past offseason, which resulted in uh, him signing the qualifying offer, will suddenly be a lot more competitive. And I think there would be a question mark uh, under a under a scenario in which they fired the head coach, they fired the uh, general manager. They're looking at like, all right, full rethink of how we're doing this. Would they be super competitive at trying to retain Miles Bridges? Um, it, you know, if a team came along with with a big offer, I think there would be some question marks around the league uh, and and not a lot of confidence that the Hornets would do that. But I don't read any of this as saying like he's got, you know, inside information into the Hornets thinking. Here, here's the thing that I've learned about the Hornets. That's fair. Yeah, the, the Hornets are going to do whatever the hell they want, and, and nobody's going to know about it until they do it. <laughs> so like, not Jake Fisher, not anyone. They're just going to do whatever they want. And so, you know, you can have people around the league saying, well, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. It doesn't matter. The Hornets are going to do whatever the hell they want. No, yeah. And I'm not sure. I I don't know if it's an accurate report. I'm just saying Jake is telling you the expectation around the league is that he's not going to be back. Do with it what you will. But I totally agree with you. And I think timing is important here because if the Charlotte Hornets were maybe even if we even just go a year beforehand, if we're coming off of the LaMelo all-star appearance, if we're coming off of a year where they got to the play in and they were so desperate to make the postseason, which they are now, to be fair, they're definitely desperate to do that. But it was the year following another play in blowout. I wonder if they would be more competitive to go after miles. But Doug, if this is the second year in a row where they don't reach the play in tournament and now you're in this neighborhood of, man, it might just be time to blow it all up, where you do have new ownership. You do have what we would think is going to be a new GM in place, a new head coach in place, Brandon Miller coming in. So it's not like you're you know, not g- going to get out of here with nothing. You have Brandon Miller, who is a front court player. I wonder if timing is why so many executives think, yeah, this this seems like the right time for the Hornets to move on, because with Miles a significant player, the not last year because he wasn't here, but two years ago. And this is a team that still is only getting to the play-in and then getting beat by 20 points. How many times can you hold on to that? Especially if new ownership wants to, or new front office wants to come in and make their mark with their own fingerprints all over this roster. It, timing seems like the thing that might allow Miles to be more competitive out there in the open market. He's not as hot anymore. That's just how the NBA teams are going to think about it. And then maybe the Hornets can just move on because it haven't been winning with any of the core that they have right now. Right. Uh, well, let's, I would clarify your desperation take with the coach is desperate to win. Uh, the, fr- the the general manager is desperate for this team to win. The, the players are not exhibiting qualities that I would say, oh, these guys are desperate to win enough games to get back to the play and to avenge those two play in losses. Like I that when I watch this team, that is not the vibe that I get. And I and I've witnessed teams that were like that. Like I look back at the 2015-16 team 
who I mean everybody counted out before, you know in like early January. Yeah, it was the second half surge. Yeah, I mean that's And they started no. playing like a t- and and the Hornets could get there by the way. I mean they're you know, it's not as if they've only won two games. They have won six. I mean, they're kind of still hanging around that, you know, uh, knocking on the door of of being in that play in conversation. So and that's why you're seeing Clifford say these kinds of things. But um you know, I think with Miles Bridges his return, he's played very well, you know, and he's been he's been good, especially when LaMelo was still on the floor. He's been good in clutch moments, but he's not been a player that's really been like transformative to the team. Right. I mean, I think that's fair to say, like, you know, you you haven't seen him, uh, you know, put up huge point total numbers. You go, wow. Yeah. If had it not been for Miles Bridges, they not would have not won that game um, other than the clutch buckets that he hit. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think some of that has to do with the roster probably around him. You know, you have, you know, LaMelo's been out now. He He's shooting pretty well from the field. He's been good. And you mentioned that, right? I, yeah, it, it's all about, do you just want to provide a clean slate going forward? That That's the thing. So LaMelo, you already invested in him. You made that decision when you gave him 200 mil. Brandon Miller, those are the only two guys that are just clear cut, untouchables that that is going to survive what would be a complete rebuild or even just a a clean house maybe not rebuild but clean house and you know whoever you want to keep left over but yeah I I don't know if Miles would make that list you're right like it's Brandon it's LaMelo I'm not sure Miles is just a immediate throw in oh okay he would survive the clean house He, he might be a part of the thing that you throw out of the organization Let's move on. One other segment to go. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're trying to figure out how to help this team defensively. We will dive a little deeper into the defensive stats. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, even more than that. And if you go back to this game against Minnesota, I thought, okay, there might be a shot that they could. Oh, well, it looked like, especially with Anthony Edwards out, you might just go have to bet the over because the team is going to allow a lot of points. And the Hornets, even without LaMelo, the Hornets still can score quite a bit. And so maybe you could have gone with the over there against the Bulls. It's been real bad against the Bulls. That game coming up on Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that one and go to FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and the NBA. You can get it on the action there as well. One more segment to go. Lockdown Hornets. Doug, we led the show off with how bad the defense was against Minnesota, and it's not been strong all season long, and especially here as of late. I know you went through some of the numbers and uh, had some thoughts to share. Yeah, I want to be very clear here, because in your tease earlier, I I feel like you may have teased that I have some kind of answer here to to what ails Mm, the Hornets mm, defensively. Sorry about that. I just want to be very clear. I do not have an (laughs) answer. Mm. I don't know what it's going to take. It's not going to be... I don't think it's going to be Frank Nielakina. I mean, we haven't seen him. They are missing two guys that they were going to depend on for wing defense in Cody Martin and Frank Nielakina. But, like, 
I don't know when those guys are going to be back. Franny Lakina certainly could make an appearance. Cody Martin's still a big question mark. LaMelo's not going to help that. He could do the thing that he did under Borrego, which was make them so good offensively that they're going to win games that they probably shouldn't have because of their defensive performances. But I don't think he's going to fundamentally change how they are defensively. But I just wanted to take people through some context because we often say, like, oh, yeah, they didn't play well defensively. But how poorly are they playing? So let's take a look at some numbers. McKee, McLaurin oh for the win. Splash! Yes. Bring that back. <laughs> let's take a look. 83 to 80. <laughs> All right, here's Walker's call again that I said that up from the previous show. All right, so here are the defensive numbers. We're just gonna we're just gonna mow on through it, like the construction that's happening in your background. We're just gonna mow on through it. Yikes! Yeah, apologize. So uh, here are the defensive rating numbers for the Charlotte Hornets. They are dead last in the league in defensive rating at one twenty one point four. And to give you a little bit more context on that, the worst defensive rating for an entire season of all time belongs to the 2022-23 San Antonio Spurs, last year's Spurs who finished the season with a 120 defensive rating. So there are three teams in the league actually right now, the Wizards, Pacers, and Hornets, that if they were to finish the season with the current uh, defensive rating that they hold, they would be uh, all, all beat that San Antonio Spurs' worst defense of all time. So there's something going on in the league right now yeah. uh, where d- defense needs a little help, that it's not uh, really keeping pace with the number of three-pointers that are being taken, with the incredible pace that that the game is played at at this point in time, um, something has to give right now because a lot of teams are playing poor defensively. Yeah, and, and the Charlotte Hornets is – I don't know how bad that is in the background, so I apologize, but we'll just go to try to mow on through, mow through it, as baby. you mentioned. Yeah, um, so very surface level here. You went with defensive rating. It's showing the Hornets are the worst in the league. But I'm just going to go real surface level and look at the Hornets' schedule here recently because it. you could even just see how many points they're giving up, Doug, and know, oh, I'm sure the advanced stats probably don't bear out as pretty good either. They allowed – 123 to Minnesota in the win against Brooklyn. They allowed 128 against the Knicks. They allowed 115 Orlando 130 Washington 114. Like everybody is getting 115 or more for the most part. It can't be any good. I mean, so every time you go out, you have to score 115 to have a shot to win. That is the task for the Charlotte Hornets if their defense if their defensive woes continue. And even if they have quite literally a historic NBA shooting performance like they did against the Nets, I mean it was the first time ever with a filter that mm-hmm. a team would shoot 50 from the field or 60. I think they almost shot 60. 50 mm-hmm. from the field, 50 from three, 100 from free throw. Like, and they still only won by one point with Cam Johnson almost ruining that night. The, the task is such a burden offensively that if they don't get to 120, they're going to lose the game. Yeah, so totally right. And let's go a step deeper. Speaking of game log, I've got the game log up here uh, from cleaning the glass, uh, which is something we often go to stat-wise here because it cuts out garbage time and does a a number of other things that help give us some context here. 
So I've got the uh, frequency at which opposing teams shoot on different areas of the floor. So how much are they shooting at the rim? How much are they shooting from three? And how much are, sh- are they shooting from mid-range? A lot of people refer to this as like the shot profile for your own team. Like you want to be shooting a lot at the rim. You want to be shooting a lot from three. You don't want to be taking a lot of shots from mid-range. Well, the opposite is true for your defense, right? You want to prevent teams from getting to the rim. You want to prevent teams from shooting threes. And you want to force them into the mid-range. The the Minnesota game is really instructive, I think, for a lot of people because that Minnesota had us on lock. They were forcing Gordon, Brandon, Terry into the long mid range because Rudy Gobert, with his uh, size and length, is and shot blocking ability, is cutting off the rim. Meanwhile, they're super aggressive with their defense up front, and they can be super aggressive because they're really good at pick and roll coverages. Their guards are really good if they're going to be like hedging hard, meaning like really aggressive on the pick and rolls. They recover really well. The effort defensively is great, so they can run you off the line and then they cannot allow you to get all the way to the rim. So here are the numbers for the Hornets so far this season in terms of that defensive shot profile, and I've sorted it by all mid, meaning how often do teams shoot in the mid-range? You want them to shoot a lot here, and you can see they are not. For a majority of the season, teams are shooting below average rates in the mid-range versus the Hornets, meaning they're either shooting a ton at the rim, shooting a ton of threes, or both. The Hornets are unable because either they don't have a backup center to prevent teams from getting to the rim, or their guards are not good enough and can't keep guys in front and uh, uh, can't run guys off the line and, and make mistakes in the pick and roll. And that's what you see. Like if I sort it by rim percentage, uh, you can see that a lot of teams are getting to the rim very often. And that was a staple. If I pull up the 15, 16 numbers from that last playoff run, like that was a staple of the Hornets defense. They were able to keep teams from getting to the rim, especially in the back half of that playoff run season. They were great at drop coverage and forcing teams away from the rim. The Hornets just don't have that personnel. It's a different game right now, um, but it's resulting in uh, teams really scoring a lot of points from three and at the rim, and that's where teams want to score. Yeah, and I'm looking at some of the dates on those games that you bring up from 15, 16, I believe is the January, year. February, yeah. March. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like There is time for the Hornets to figure it out. I just like... I just when I look at the two rosters, I don't know, man. Oh, I just no. don't know well, if this team's got it. That yeah, that was not where I was going. You said there I was not thinking, oh, they have time. I was thinking that was just a part of the second half surge. But yeah, the roster, I mean, say what you want about MKG. MKG was a legitimately good defender. The problem that he had was offensively, but he was a good defender. You bring in Courtney Lee, the second half, the roster changes. We had the joke yep. this offseason where PJ Hairston started a bunch of games for right. the last playoff team that this squad had. And then you move on from them. And then the second half, you and see the better. defensive performance start to surge right on up and they protect the rim at a high rate. But but they did that. Courtney they Lee they protected stand, the rim. They well, protected they the rim with Cody Zeller and Al Jefferson. That's crazy. Yep. This yeah. team has Mark Williams. Well, now it's just going to plot. Like he said, hey, y'all do what y'all got to do. I'll move within this five foot area and see what I can do for y'all. So that's what that's what it's going to be. And then you just feed me the rock and it'll be Big Al's pain on the other end. But you're right. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I think the the hope is um, I don't really know. I don't really know what the hope is, to be honest with you, uh, at least on the perimeter. I mean, I it's it's all about, you know. They were able to play really well second half defense in in the, the in the second half last year is what I mean. 
So the way they were able to do that, I think they brought a lot more energy. They did that with Mark Williams as the center getting a ton of minutes. They did that with Nick Richards as the backup center. No LaMelo ball. He was out because of his fractured ankle. Um, Terry Rozier was playing a decent amount. You still had PJ. You didn't have Miles. And so you still have some of the holdovers. But the identity of this team is not such as as such that you would point to the second half of last season and say, okay, maybe you could just implement that and copy and paste it because it doesn't seem like it works that way. Uh, really quickly, some final numbers for you from dunks and threes. This is our estimated plus minus. Um, and defensively estimated plus minus, there is only one Hornet that does not have a negative defensive estimated plus minus, and that is Miles Bridges at negative zero. Uh, but you can see on the percentiles that you can be an above average defender in the league at this point and have a negative defensive plus minus. That's what I'm saying. Like There's just not a lot of defense being played across the league. So in terms of above average defenders uh, relative to the stat, the Hornets have three. It's Miles Bridges, it's Nick Richards, it's Bryce McGowan's. It's not Gordon Hayward, yep. who is right below that. It's not Mark Williams, who has a negative one estimated plus minus. That's the 32nd percentile. And I think that percentile is across the league. I think if you looked at his position, it would be even worse. Uh, and Brandon Miller, P.J. Washington, Teo Maladone, those are your three worst defensive players by this metric. Uh, Brandon Miller at negative 1.6. That's 14th percentile and that's where we talk about size like he has skill he's going to be a good defender but right now he's playing the two and he's getting blitzed well I mean that's true but also this goes to the point of the stat also like one play a bad defensive team is going to affect your best defender on the squad and you're also going to have your best defender out on the floor as much as possible especially if you play for Steve Clifford where you and I both agree that Brandon Miller not a great defender not otherworldly but understands at least where to be he's certainly not the worst defender on the roster nor no. is pj whereas this stat shows you it's not a coincidence in my opinion that the guy that's played the least amount of games also has the best defensive rating because he has not had to endure all of the pain <laughs> miles has played eight <laughs> and he's got the best defensive rating yeah it's because he hasn't gotten scored on nearly as much as the guys that have played 12 13 17 you know so this is it's a bad defensive team, and everybody suffers with it. And but shout out! But here's the thing: shout out Nick Richards, who has missed games as well, and and has a good metric here. And yeah, he came true. into that Minnesota game and had a real impact on that game, especially with his rim protection. I look at the guy I look at in those numbers is Mark Williams. Got to be better, Mark Williams. Your starting center cannot be has to be one of your top three defenders, and certainly can't be near the bottom i mean that simply has to change yeah i wonder i just wonder how much of it is really indicative because you no know, but mark like if we just go if you were to ask does the eye test fit to me i can see how some of the numbers might affect brandon because you're talking about him getting blitzed same thing with mark like with pj i think his struggles might come from being out of position trying to guard some of the post guys i mean he's just being he's guarding everybody but I, I see real like I, I think his pick and roll coverage has been very good. I think he forces guys tight and not to get wide. And so there's not enough, enough space to work with. I think the blocks and steals are going up for him. But like I, I, I just I don't know, like with the eye test watching some of these guys, it's just the whole team is awful. Defend, like it's just how it's been. And everybody's getting to the rim. And Mark, you're right. Mark is the real disappointing one. It, it's just it's there hasn't been as much consistency and you would love to see it. And it just hasn't been happening for the young center that they have.
That'll do it. All right, enough getting through the construction. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Go check out Doug Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. Listen to me on Sports Radio, WFNZ, 92.7 FM, every weekday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We're getting closer and closer to the Chicago Bulls game. Long rest for the Hornets after this weekend. So we'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. 